Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. B Boss, I'm going to come to you next. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. Hi, Tracy. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How can I help? Good, good. Yeah, so I've got a, got a question. It's, it's to do with uh, property and finances. Yeah. Uh, so, currently still married. Um, there are three properties. Um, the first pro- property was purchased by myself about 15 years ago when I'd just met my ex-wife. We were dating at the time yeah. um, and she moved into there when I purchased that property. Yeah. Um, it's now rented out, it's been rented out for about 13 years. The second property was purchased while um, we, we got married when we were in that property. So after about two years, we got married and that property became the family home. Yeah. Uh, that property was um, all purchased in in, in my name, yeah. uh, and all all the payments etc were just just made by me. Yeah. And then the third property was uh, purchased um, as we were separating, so it was purchased for for her to move move into. Yeah. Um, so that property was purchased, and then she moved into that property. So my question is um, whether those first two properties can be ring fenced, um, or whether she does have. Um, a claim on, on all three of those properties or or what is the situation from a from a financial perspective how how long is the marriage first of all um, the marriage is uh, 12 years 12 years second property no um because it was the former matrimonial home um so that will definitely be included how long before the okay. marriage did you get the first property how long before the marriage yeah um, probably about two or three years. Okay. Um, and it, it was in your sole name? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, th- there's, there's a chance that you may be able to ring fence that one. You are teetering towards a long marriage. And what that means is that generally any premarital assets are more likely to be absorbed in the marriage. Um, so you, you are getting into that sort of red zone, if, if you like, where we it's harder to start to ring fence premarital assets. The most important thing here is going to be determining the value, so the equitable value of all three, and then working out what the needs of the parties are. So by the sounds of it, all your housing needs are met, yours and hers. But of course, that's where my knowledge stops. Obviously, I don't know um, earning capacity and children and, you know, medical, any health issues, etc. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, I, I would safely say that the second property will be included because it was the FMH, the former matrimonial home. Um, the first one, yeah. maybe, maybe. Okay. 
All right. So it's, it's yeah. So it sort of depends on a on, on needs, etc. It depends on needs, and it depends on a little bit more information about this marriage. So as I say, earning capacity. If one is earning significantly more than the other, that will factor in, um, because the person that's not earning as much is now going to walk away without that higher earning do you know what I mean they had the benefit of that higher income when they were together and and of course now they don't so there have to be an adjustment there because of a 12-year marriage and um, there might be children um, that stop maybe one of the parties from working so um, yes bit more information needed what I'm going to say to you is that you need to get that crucial one hour advice where we can then ask way more questions and give you specific advice um, but as a general rule of okay. thumb, that, that's what you're looking at. Right, okay, hey, that's brilliant. Right. I'll, I'll do that. Thank you very much Lovely. for your help. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Um, Daddy Sav, you are next up. Whenever you're ready, ask me a question. We spoke a few times, and uh, the last time we spoke, it's about me trying to push for a court here. Yeah. And um, my, my sister has given a bit of a spanner in the works, I think. Not too sure what it was. You mentioned about getting some financial advice about capital gains tax, and I've not had an answer for about a week. I'm just confused as what that's about. Oh, sorry, about capital gains tax? Yeah, because obviously I'm pushing for the sale of the house, because yeah. obviously she's pulling fast ones with me all the time. Yeah. And the, the equity is really large. I mean, we, we divorced last year. Yeah. And she's put up a massive... Like she's, she refuses to work, she's getting benefits and a lot of money from me. And you know, I think, if, I probably won't remember the history, but she's pulling fast ones all the way through. But my sister just said to me that I need to go and get some financial advice about capital gains tax. Yeah. I'm not too sure what that is. So, well, it, it's a tax. So it, it's it's a tax on, on income that we receive that we haven't earned through employment. So, it, you know, you've gained capital. So if by selling that property, you are going to have a net equity, i.e. a profit in the property by the time you've paid the mortgage back, then you've gained capital. And because it's seen as right. an income, you may have to pay tax on that. Now, obviously, that's not a legal question because we're not qualified to give tax advice. So that's why your solicitor is saying, have a chat with, if you don't have an accountant, um, then have a chat with a financial advisor perhaps and they'll be able to tell you A, if you have to pay capital gains and B, how much that will be. So if the answer to that is yes, then how much you're, you're likely to be looking at. Cool. So, it's, so it's beneficial to me or not in, it, in terms of the outcome yeah, of the sale of the house? Yeah, it, it, it is beneficial for you to know because if you're if the house sale is part of the financial order, let's say there's a hundred thousand um, net equity in the property, the lawyers might be thinking, "Well, great, we can give fifty thousand pounds each." Just just to keep the example simple, okay? But if capital gains tax applies, that has to come off the top line. So actually, we might not have a hundred thousand to divide between the parties. We might only have eighty thousand to divide between the parties. So that's why she's saying to you, go and get some advice because it may be that another bill is going to be due which will affect what each party get from the sale of the property. Another tax. Awesome. All right, does that help? Yeah, it's brilliant. Thank right. you. I was just confused. I sure. did a spanner. I wasn't sure what it was. No problem. All right then. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Katie, you are next up whenever you're ready. Hiya. So my mum... 
um, got divorced about 30 years ago, but there was never a financial order in place. Yeah. She since then remarried, but her ex-husband has never remarried. Yeah. And someone mentioned to her the other day that he could make a claim against her because it's been so long still. Is that the case? So, sorry, who remarried? He remarried. No, so my mum okay. remarried. Yeah. So if there was um, no... If, if there he was, never remarried. Yeah. If there was no financial order in place, Katie, um, then potentially, yes, he could make a financial claim. Your mum is barred because obviously she's remarried. Um, excuse me. But he could potentially, yes, if there was no... Because it's the financial order that severs the financial ties when a couple get divorced, not, not the actual divorce itself. Um, and, and it frustrates me that, you know, there isn't more information out there about this because people think once they get divorced, that's it. They don't need to do anything else. But actually, you need to get that financial order to sever financial ties. Right, so what what can she do to protect herself? Well, it's a, it, she could ask him for a clean break order, um, but it would be on, on you know, him agreeing to that, really. She doesn't want to go down the court route. But she needs to get a financial order in place so that it stops him making a claim. The issue that she has, of course, is that now she's remarried. If he doesn't agree to that, then the only avenue she's got is to go to court. Um, and she doesn't want to do that, really. No. Oh, dear. No. Is he likely to remarry himself soon? No, um, yeah, he said he's never getting married again. He's been in a long-term relationship for years, but never remarrying. I mean, look, um, there's, there's every chance that he's not going to. I mean, how long has it been since they got divorced? So it's about, about 30 years since they were divorced. Oh, yeah, look, so, I think... I think, look, even if he were to make a financial claim, chances are he's not going to succeed, um, you know, unless your mum wins the lottery or something. But he, he's not going to succeed, really, because for 30 years, he's clearly financially self-sufficient now. Does she does she need to do anything or is it up, up to him to get in contact? It would be um, up, it would be up, yeah, it would be up to him. He'd have to make an application. Yeah. Okay. And does she need to write him out of her will or anything? Absolutely, unless she wants to leave him in, in the will, but absolutely she she should, yeah. Okay, so she needs she needs to mention that. Well, she just needs to update her will and, and take him out if she doesn't want him in it. I mean that's not a family law question. She needs to speak to a solicitor about wills about that. All right. All Lovely. right. Well, th thank Thanks. you for your time. You're welcome, Katie. Bye bye. Next up, I've got Davio. What's your question, Davio? Oh, yeah. So I'm going through this horrific, wonderful divorce, as everyone else is. Yeah. Um, we've got um, a few properties that are all uh, bought outright. And the first one was a property that she, that was purchased for her by her father. And it was purchased two or three months before we got married. Yeah. We were married for 10 years. Um, she ended the marriage and I've been left with nothing. I've got my name on a property that we purchased jointly during the marriage, um, which she's playing, you know, hard to get for that one. She's living in another house, which was under her dad's name. But the first property that was bought um that was you know the the deed titles were transferred to her name just months before our wedding um and i've got registered interest on it um through the uh, land um the family whatever it is act 
um, the Home Rights Act. Sorry, what's the what's the chances that I have equity in that through the divorce? Because she seems to think I don't have anything to stand on because I didn't put anything into it. Although. It was our marital home for five, six years. Yeah, so if you've got a claim to it, Davio, is what I'm going to say to you. Absolutely you have. Um, it, you know, regardless of whose name that in that, that is in, it is a matrimonial asset. So you are definitely going to have a claim to that. How much of a claim is where you need to take the legal advice. Um, but that yeah. property is going to need to ensure that both of your housing needs are met and hopefully any capital needs that are, are, are required as well. So that's where yeah, well, you I mean, need I'm to take some legal advice. Homeless at the moment. So um, my last, uh, just one quick other question. Um, since receiving a court date, um, I've received a letter from her solicitor. We currently have 50-50 custody of the children. Um, and I'm very much, a, a, you know, I'm a very present dad and I want my kids as much as possible. Um, but she's now wanting to make me a every other weekend dad based on... Um, one of my children turned to school in the wrong shoes one day um, and homework not being done properly um, on, a, on a handful of occasions when they're under my care. Does she have a leg to stand on there? Not really. The court's going to want to keep the status quo. So if it's 50-50 at the moment, um, then yeah. unless she's got really good reason, the court's going to say, look, let's just keep it as 50-50 because that's what the children are used to. Um, and, and, you know, I think we both know that actually because they had the wrong shoes on, um, it's not going to give um, grounds for a change of, of residence. So shouldn't worry okay. about that. All right. Okay, wonderful. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Help. You're welcome. Bye-bye. VK, you are up next. What's your question? First time caller, thank you. Hello, you're welcome. Hi. I just had a question for my girlfriend. She um, is in the process of divorce with her husband um her husband threatened her children her oldest child with a knife and tried to attack her which um then we reported to the police and uh, they arrested him but they let him go with no further action because they didn't have sufficient evidence now he's he's trying to make a claim for custody um currently we have a non-mole order against him um, I mean, what's the sort of likelihood he would get custody in the current situation because he's had no further action from the police on the grounds that they didn't have enough evidence to prosecute? So the the issue of who a child lives with is going to largely depend on what the status quo is right now. So the courts can always try to keep that, okay? Because, you know, if, if a child's in a routine and is in a habit and there's no good reason to change that then the court's going to be minded to keep the status quo as it is. That said, a court's also going to want to ensure that a child has a relationship with both parents. So I'm not ruling out the fact that he may get some contact, but to do a change of, of residence or, or you know um, a live-with order is what we call it now, that, that might prove difficult depending on the circumstances. Okay, uh, and the children basically don't want, they're petrified of them, they don't want to go, so they can't be forced, can they? This is what we're worried about, because that so would we're like, not, totally... No, so no one's going to force a child to do anything. That, okay. that's, that's not, that never happens. Um, but yeah, we, as I say, we're not going to rule out some sort of contact, just because yeah, they, okay, he that's... has parental responsibility. All right? Ah, Great. okay, thank you. I have one welcome. more question, if it's okay. Okay, yeah, very quickly. Um, 
I uh, she had received a gift from her grandfather when yeah. she was um, married earlier. And now uh, that grandfather is asking for that gift back, which was money, basically. Would both um, her and her husband be liable for that because it went towards the deposit for the matrimonial home? Or would um, she just be responsible for that because it came yeah, from her I, side of the I'm, family? I'm not so sure that granddad would succeed if it's a gift. Um, and, and that would require a few more questions, you know, why he gave the gift, what the gift was for, how long the gift's been given. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not so sure that it would get to the question of who's liable, because I think granddad's going to struggle to prove that actually he wants that back. Uh, okay, All right. that's understandable. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. your help. Have You're a good welcome. Day. Bye-bye. Right, next up on my list is Puggy12. Puggy, whenever you're ready, what's your question? Hello. 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 Hiya. Um, I have a question about the clean break order. Yeah. Because um, I was married uh, 15 years ago and got divorced quite quickly. Um, but then I've remarried three years ago, but we didn't get a clean break order because I was too young to know what to do about finances. Well, I wanted to know if I now apply for a clean break order now, because we're looking to, ma- to buy a house in the future, do I have to disclose what do you have to do a d8 one form yeah or you do yeah you do so um if if you are if you're agreeing a consent order um and you're sending it into the court because you've both signed it then you both have to complete that d81 and if you take Which a if you, what we both got it will yes yeah, yeah you'll but you'll but you'll get to see each other's financial position it's only a limited position have a look at the D81, because okay. you can download it from the government website. Um, excuse me. So I, can fill out that, I can fill out myself. You can do that yourself, to... yeah. But but do I have to get the, um, the other order has to be sent by, the, by a solicitor, is that right? So the actual clean break or the financial order, yes, that should be drafted by a solicitor, absolutely, just to make sure that it covers everything and that it actually will get you the clean break. But because uh, um, I've got history where he hasn't paid any maintenance and there's an order through the CMS, does that right. get voided? No, that's got nothing to do with your clean break order. The, the, the child so that, maintenance will stay. Yet yeah, we won't even mention child maintenance in the order because that will stay firmly with the CMS. Okay, that's good. Because right. obviously there's... Uh, but the only thing I'm worried about is because he owes so much on with them... Yeah. Um, will he actually agree to sign this D eight one form to have a financial sever with me? Who, who, for know, my who knows? I've got no idea if he'll agree with it or not. But best way to find out is just to try. Yeah, I was just worried if because we haven't had any contact for years. Yeah. By doing this, am I provoking something rather than just? him not knowing anything at all is Pop, it i mean you possibly. say it's better to do a clean break order, it, isn't it's, it? it's always like long term it's always better to do one are you going to poke yeah. the bear you might i i, I genuinely mm. don't know okay all right i don't have anything for him to come after me for but he can't i can't take anything from him so it doesn't benefit me either yeah so a good good um, time good I, time to do it then is what i would say yeah okay all right. then. lovely all Thanks, right then. then thank you bye-bye Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, let me come to Mommy Whisperer. Mommy Whisperer, what's your question? Hello, can you hear me this Hello, time? I can hear you. Yes, what's your question? Right, okay. So um, we were married... Shush, dog. We were married for 32 years. 
uh, we're both over 50, there's not a lot of capital in the house. Um, he's earning 14,000 a month. I'm not well, I'm on limited capacity to work and work-related activity, and he's got an inheritance coming. So that's just a little bit of background for you. Two teens with me seven days a week. So I'm saying that the priority practically is that both of us come out of this with a property because we're over 50. Um, he's not keen. He's not, you know, behaving well. So um, we've got the capital and what he wants to do is some credit cards that he's, credit card debt he's built up over the past 18 months. When the house sells, he wants to take that credit card debt off. Then he wants to, there's a limited capacity, there's a limited company that he was running. He mismanaged the tax. There's a large corporation tax bill. He wants to then take that off of the capital that's left. And what that, and then he wants to give me some of his pension I don't want. And what that means is he can go and buy a house, but I can't. Um, and what I'm saying is, it, that seems really unfair because he ends up the house and I don't, and he doesn't want to pay spousal support. And yeah, no, I, I I hear you. And of course, that's that isn't fair on the face of it. That isn't fair. And that's why we look at certain factors when we're deciding who gets what. And of course, one of those factors are earning capacity. Because, you know, if somebody is earning substantially, which he is, then his borrowing capacity, his ability to go off and get a mortgage is going to be much stronger than yours. And what that means is that it won't be a 50-50 split of the equity, chances are, because, excuse me, we're going to look at your earning capacity. And if it's substantially lower, then you're going to be getting more, you know, 60, 65%. Another thing that we look at is medical. So is there any reason why, you know, your health prevents you from working? And if that's the case, then that's factored in as well. And that gets you a little bit more. So we make these adjustments based on what the needs of the party are. Now, um, in terms of the credit card, I couldn't comment on that without actually knowing a little bit more. But the corporation tax would certainly be separate to that. We'd have to recognise that that needed to be paid and we'd need to see how much that was. But it wouldn't come over and above somebody's housing needs. OK, and then, of course, if it's if it's settled that the children are going to rem remain with you, um, you've said that they're with you seven days a week then you're going to, your housing needs are going to be more important than his because you have the responsibility of housing the children. Um, so the court's going to be looking at you to have a bigger house. You're going to need a minimum three-bedroomed house, whereas his housing needs could be met with a one-bedroomed. So it's not going to be as simple as selling the property, paying off the debts and dividing what's left as he thinks it will be. Um, he probably yeah, needs to we, go and take some legal We've had the mediators and yeah. they've kind of gone along with what he said. And they said that because my son is 17 and so he has 18 months left in school and then goes to university, yeah. that he could go and live with my husband. But he doesn't want to. He wants to live with me. Um, and my kids see my ex, but they don't want to live with him. Yeah. So um, mediators, yeah. mediators are great for helping parties, you know, that they, they try to facilitate an agreement and that's, that's fantastic. 
But we can't expect our mediators to be legally trained as well. And many times I'll get people coming to me to say, we've sorted it all out, Trace. We've been seeing mediator. We've, we're all agreed. And when I look at the agreement, I say, look, that's great. However, we're not going to get that past the judge because it simply isn't fair and reasonable. So, okay. you, yeah, you, you both really should take some legal advice before going to see the mediator, just so that you both know what it is that you're going to be entitled to. And then that puts you in a better position, I think, to maybe mediate an agreement. And I was looking, I, I was looking to buy your course. Yeah. Um, and something I was looking at was the idea of uh, when he gets a mortgage, if He's paying child support. Yeah. Um, they take that into account and they would take spousal support. He doesn't want to pay spousal support. But what I've said to him is, because I'm really good with the budget, is instead to create child allowances, which apparently people do do sometimes where it's set up that they, he's, he's basically paying for specific things for the children. I don't suppose you cover that in the course, do you? So, no, because the course will tell you how to do a financial application but what you need is financial advice. Once you've okay. got the financial advice, then you'll know what to include in the order. Okay. Okay? Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That's really All right, Thank then. you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Clive, you are next up when you're ready. Ask me your question. Good evening, Tracy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How can I help? Um, it was just really two questions. Um, the first one being, I'm going through obviously the process with my kids, being given authority to see them at a contact centre. Uh, sorry, no, I've been given permission to see them in the community now, but that's still got to be supported with one child and um, supervised with the other child. That's obviously costing me best part of £200 a week um, up until the next hearing, which we don't have a date for. Yeah. On top of that, we're paying like £350 a month child support. Um, is there a way that, you know, I can maybe get some sort of funding from somewhere else? Because that coupled with legal bills is just, you know, I've literally got nothing left. So what funding for what, sorry? Well, to either see the children at a contact centre or some sort of assistance with, you know, the legal cost of everything. Um, you probably won't qualify for legal aid, uh, so no is 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 the answer to that one. I I I expect unless you can you know get some pro bono help or move out of the contact centre. Does it have to be in the contact centre? Can't it be supervised yeah, by somebody else? Budget kind of ordered that it's got to be supervised with one and supported with the other. So when you go back to court, you might want to sort of say to the judge, "Look, I can't do this anymore." Um, you know, financially, I'm really challenged at the moment, um, and that shouldn't be a a stop um, or a block to me seeing my children. So, could we move, maybe move it out and have somebody else supervise that isn't going to cost anything, or could Mum go halves with me? Um, but if you are financially challenged, then the court have to take that into account. It's not a good enough okay. reason to stop contact. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, because I don't want, well, I know, you know, as much as it's not the reason why I don't see my children, I mean, I, I pay over the odds to see my children and take up loans wherever I needed to to see my children. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just a financial burden that's there. 
um, when I know that you know she's probably getting money from me as well as all the other benefits that are probably available to her since she's not even putting my youngest child through you know play school which I know he's entitled to three hours where she could be getting a job yeah I know, I know uh, that so there, are, there are some contact centres that will take into account if one of the parents are on benefits and offer, you know, reduced rates. That might be something to explore. If mum is entitled to some benefits, she may be able to make the application. And if she's not willing to, then the court could assist with that. So that that's something else no. that might help. Yeah, I very much doubt she's willing to do anything, to be fair. So then, I mean, I was so then get, with, it, get it caught orders. I was granted orders. three hours contact on child and I've had to take two hours because I can't afford to take a whole day off work to go see him. Yeah, I think I think you maybe need to bring this up with the court, really, um, because you could get an order that she make the application. If you can get all the evidence from the contact centre that it's going to work in that way, um, the court will certainly mm. listen to that, definitely. Okay. All right. No, I'll definitely try it. I'll okay. definitely try that. Great. Um, what was my other question? I don't oh know. Oh, God, it's gone. Okay, no worries. Thank All you. All right, thank you, Clive. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, Danielle, you are next up. What's your question? Hello. So we've been through a long, hard-fought court case, almost two years now. Yeah. Uh, Fact-finding found abuse mostly in my favour against me and the children. Section 7, which I mostly disagreed with, but despite all that, we seem to have come to an agreement with con direct and indirect contact. Yeah. Um, he moved four hours away, and he's chosen to see them only one weekend every other month maximum. Um, but the, we, the only thing that we've disagreed with is to change a children's name. So they've got his surname at the moment, and I've asked if we could double bow it to include mine because I have them day to day. It's caused issues at school, it, um, doctors, travelling in the future. Um, I'm just wondering if you've got any advice how I've, we've got the hearing on Thursday, the next, it's a final hearing. Um, I'm just wondering if you've got any advice on how to how to help that go through or any other positive reasons why it'd be a good idea kind of thing if that to, makes sense to have it double barreled yeah double barreled. Yeah. absolutely i don't want to take yeah. his name away i just want to add mine on to it I, whichever way you want kind I, of thing i think i think that the court is going to be sympathetic to that because obviously it's your name um and you know children can be fairly sensitive if they have a different name to their mom um, and and it, it sometimes can be argued to the court that it, it bridges that gap. It helps to alleviate the change when parents separate. You know, when parents are yeah. all together and it's all great, then, then that's lovely. But when they separate, that's a big change for a child. So actually, to have mummy mm. and daddy's name, um, it, you know, that, that can offer some sort of comfort, I suppose, or, or support. So I would be yeah. arguing it in that way that it's really important, yeah. not only to you, but in your view, to the children as well. Because there's the, yeah. there can sometimes be a sense of loss when a parent leaves. Um, so I think to have yeah, the name recognised... Yeah, so to have the name recognised that, you know, we've still got mum's name and dad's name, I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great, thank Good you. Good luck. Okay, yeah. thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Uh, Rydia, you are next. Whenever you are ready, ask me your question. And Mike, you are up after Rydia. So I've invited you both up. Mike, you're up first. How can I help? Hi. Um, right. Um, just a quick one. 
I've um, I'm just wondering what I can do with um, at the moment going through the child situation yeah. as you're away. Yeah. Um, what is there a way I can go back to court to amend an order, or do you have to get a new order in place? Um, no, you to can, include... you you can you can make an application to vary an order by using the C seventy nine. How would you be looking to vary? What what is it that you're asking the court to so, do? Uh, at the moment, obviously, I've got contact um, on my first two days off work. Yeah. Um, it gets swapped and changed quite often. Um, as my ex plans things on on my days which is fine i'm still getting contact then in between my days of contact i don't have any contact with them at all over the phone or anything so for 10 days then i don't speak to them um which i think would be uh you know that's that's something i'd like to happen um as well as being able to bring them to my home things like that is still not being allowed um and being able to like take them on holidays and things yeah. um for instance my sister is um lives in brunei and she's coming home in august and i've asked if i can just keep them overnight uh for us to take them away somewhere over my two days yeah rather than having to take them home by the evening then pick them back up the next day yeah. you know just so we can spend the night and i've i've been told no for yeah. that now as well yeah um so it like things to i suppose now that the contact is kind of established yeah just to kind of increase it slightly or include school holidays things like that yeah Um, absolutely mike i mean you and i have chatted before and this has always been about the power always been about the fact that you know you simply can't have the most simple of requests um that you're always um given a no 100 percent 100 percent c79 vary the existing order because what's happening is the children are not being allowed to increase that contact it's almost like you know dipping your toe into the swimming pool but not actually being allowed to jump right in do you know what i mean they're being allowed a little bit but then it being told actually no that's it no we're going to put the brakes on again that's really confusing for a child it should be growing organically and yeah, actually, you know, if the kids want to not... stay, there's there's a lot of insecurity. We, we've spoke about this, so so I don't, I don't want to repeat yeah. it again to you, Mike, but you, you know my thoughts on this. And yes, C7. Yeah, it's just like silly things. Like yeah. I've got my, my youngest daughter's parents' evening next week that I booked for 3.30, which is when she comes out of school. And I've the, the house is 200 yards away from the school. So I said... You know, can I pick her up from school and then I'll bring her around to the house after we spoke to the teacher Yeah. so she can show me her work and things like that. And yeah. the response I always get is, no, it's not your day. And it's, you know, just little things like that. Yeah. Where it, they're not being allowed, for, like you said, for the relationship to organically grow. Yeah. And and it's confusing for the, for the, for the girls because they're thinking, well, but why? You know, that it must cross their mind what's going on. Yeah. Why? Why? Why is dad not given permission, you know? And and it shouldn't be like that. You have parental responsibility. You shouldn't really have to ask for permission. That's where this whole thing's breaking down. 
Um, yeah, yeah I, I would definitely be, be going to court, particularly just even if it was for the example of seeing their auntie. You know, that's totally yeah. unreasonable. The fact that a court will give it to you 100%, 100%. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind. Okay, so All it's right. a C79. And you are asking to vary the existing order, yeah. Vary the order, yeah. Okay, lovely. Right. Thank you, Tracy. All right, thanks, Mike. Bye. Bye. Uh, so, Mel, you are next up. What's your question? Um, my partner is, is currently going through um, a bit of a difficult time trying to um, sell a property with his ex-wife. Yeah. And they've come to the conclusion that she's going to stay there until the youngest child of the marriage is 18, which is next February. Now, she's remarried and got a child with her new husband yeah. and is now suggesting that she can stay there until he's 18. Would that be the case? Um. Is the child a child of the relationship? Sorry, what was that last bit, Mel? Just clarify that bit up for me. No, so um, the, the, you're the youngest child of, of my partner's marriage with his ex-wife turns 18 next February. Yeah. Yeah. But she has a nine-year-old son with her yeah. new husband. Yeah. Um, but they all, they all live in the property. So she's now basically saying that she can stay there until that child is 18. No, and actually, Mel, the fact that you mentioned that she's got a new husband... Um, that would trigger um, a, an alarm bell because the the reason that people or, or mums or dads can stay in the property until the youngest is 18 is because they are single parents. So we're, we're trying to help them because they've got the responsibility of looking after the child and holding down a job and keeping all the other balls in the air. So what we say is, look, we'll take the pressure off, you stay there until the child's 18 and at that point then we'll look to either buy the other person out or sell the property. However... One of the trigger factors to doing the earlier than when the child reaches 18 is if they remarry and she has remarried. So that will kick in anyway. So it certainly won't have anything to do with the nine-year-old. It'll be, I mean, it could start now, really, Mel, if I'm being honest with you. I think that my partner, morally for his own mind, didn't want to make his children homeless. Right. Um, because she, she's not in a position to be able to buy a property and there's not enough equity. Even, even with purchase. her husband, even with her husband... He doesn't work, well, neither of them work, unfortunately. Oh, right. Okay. So they'll be okay. relying on um, sort of £60,000 of equity that they get, which which would get them a deposit if they were working, yeah. but obviously yeah. it won't, it's going to push them into rented. I see. So I think my partner was sort of suggesting that morally, for his keeping his conscience clear and doing right by his children, yeah. he would wait till next February to start the process, but she's thrown back at him. No, I've got a child living no. there, so he wouldn't no. be successful if he no, tried to force a sale. Not going to happen, unfortunately. It, it's time for, for her to sort of wake up and... No, that's reassuring for us because hopefully she'll she'll take us an offer. If we make her an offer of having slightly more equity, then she might sell it without us having to go through the courts. Yeah, good plan. Good plan. So, All that's right. great. Thank you Thanks, very Mel. much for the reassurance. That's okay. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. ABC, you are up next, whenever you're ready. Yeah, hi, Legal Queen. Okay, I just wanted to ask, um, you talk a lot about status quo, and what matters more to the courts? Is it the father's right for 50-50 contact? Because in my case, regarding our eight month, 18-month-old child, yeah. the father goes on about his equal rights all the time, but I um, would like to stick with the status quo. So the father has applied for a shared care order. He hasn't met the child yet because he wasted a lot of time with the DNA test. I have been the primary carer of our 18-month-old son from birth. He's got a routine here with me. 
me and the dad live about 10 miles apart and about an hour apart. Um, also, my son, our son's going to start a government-funded uh, nursery place in January. It's going to be five afternoons a week. So he's got a routine here. I go to stay and plays with him. I'm happy for dad to have long-term contact, but I'm not in agreement with the shared care. It would be more every other weekend, half the holidays. I want the child to kind of have a home here where he goes to school from one place. I, I don't know. Um, sorry, I'm rambling a bit. That's okay. Um, so it isn't dad's right to have shared care, which is how you preface the question initially. It's the child's yeah. right to have a relationship with both parents. Okay. So the court's going to recognise that your son has to have a relationship with his dad. Absolutely. What that relationship looks like, well, they're going to start with what's the status quo been? And, and if the child has always lived with you, then it's highly unlikely that they're going to change that. Okay. Um, dad is certainly, unless there's any welfare concerns, going to be granted some form of contact. But at 18 months old, it's going to be growing gradually, you know, and it will be a while before, you know, dad sort of has his, um, if he's looking for shared care, if he even gets shared care. Chances are, it, if you live 10 miles apart, then he'll certainly be able to have lots of contact but there'll have to be some stability. You know, sometimes a shared care order can be very unstable for a child. Um, you know, it, it's more important that the child has the stability, particularly during the school week, and then enjoy time with parents at the weekends. So the... So, legal Queen, do you think it's unreasonable for me to say, OK, I'm happy for you to... Because Dad's just coming on the scene, really. He's wasted all these... A year in court with a DNA test and all sorts of allegations. So it, I'm going to say like okay well every other weekend half the holidays but do courts actually take into um consideration pre-compulsory education so like when they're about three they get 15 hours in nurseries would a judge look at that as a child's routine well absolutely yeah yeah absolutely i i, I don't don't think you've got too much to worry about um you know parental responsibility means that he shares those responsibilities with you it doesn't necessarily give him equal rights. There's no such thing as equal rights when it comes to a child. They're not a possession. So, you know, he shares that parental responsibility with you, but the court's going to always put what's in the best interest of the child first. Um, that doesn't mean that he's not going to get any contact. It will always be what's in the best interest of the child. All right. And just finally, um, because dad wasted so much time with the DNA test and he was kind of saying, that's not my baby. And it, well, it is. Um, when I came to name the child, I gave my surname because dad was just saying, that's not my child. So now I think dad wants to add his surname on. Would he, would he be successful? It's really hard for me to answer that question because I know nothing about your case except for the couple of things that you okay. told me. All right. But um, that potentially is, is all I would say to that. All right. Would that be a later application or would that be within this child arrangement order application? It depends on what's in the... Have a read of your application and you'll soon find no, out. No, it's not on this one. Well, then it's he hasn't made the application for it. I'll leave it there anyway. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Trace, you probably may remember about my situation around my partner wanting to move to Sweden and taking my son over. And, and it's a little bit of a similar case to your previous caller. Um, in relation to, you know, how much time I get with my son. She's, she's a good mum. I'm not taking that away from her, but um, it's her decision to move away uh, back to her home country, uh, which is Sweden. 
and I it's it's just I'm I don't feel like I'm going to be able to build that relationship with my son he's three and a half going, going on four so it is similar to the, the query previous but I, I'm not too sure where I stand on that where yeah I want him to have a stable life I, I don't want him to be moving around back and forth and things like that I'm not sure so where what, the what's your... from your experience of well I think so I think a lot of times people think that if they make an application to the court, the court's going to tell them what to do. Um, and the courts don't like doing that, is the honest answer, which is why there'll be so many hearings before we get to a final hearing. And the reason for that is that courts, whether it be children or money, finances, mm. they are always looking for the parties, whether it be parents or, or spouses, to sort of come to their own conclusion and then the court will happily write that in an order. So your question to me is, I she's a good mum, but I have worries that I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to see him enough. That's for you and mum to sort out really because the court's not going to be able to answer that for you. You know, if mum right. makes an application to go to Sweden, chances are the court will let her go. And if you make an application mm -hmm. for child arrangements because you would like it written down how often you see him, the court will, will give you that, that order. But what the court won't do is impose upon you and say, right, well, you're going to have once a month and you've got to fly to Sweden and you're going to then have half the holidays because they can't do that, really. That might not fit in with your work, your financial ability. So... If you if you and, and, and your ex can't agree what the contact's going to be, then that's why the court suggests mediation. Let's see if you can come to agreement that way. If you can't and you need to make a court application, chances are CAFCAS will be called upon. And then CAFCAS have the job of suggesting to the court a very loose framework of what might work. Okay, but the court's not going to impose unless it goes all the way to a final hearing and then they'll impose um, contact on, on you both. Right, and then with like the uh, the, the court's uh, going on, we're going on into the conditional offer now. So I'm just trying to get ready a consent order. Is that something... Is that, is that a form that we fill out? I think I've seen it, but, or is it something, because my partner has written out a draft, an email draft of what her conditions are to be met. Is that how we put that into the consent order as well, or? So the conditional order is part of your divorce, and I say that for mm -hmm. others that are listening. Um, it, when you get the conditional order, six weeks later, you can apply for the final order. And at that yeah. point, you are divorced. The yeah. consent order is something that's drafted by a solicitor. Um, so the financial order, we'll call it a consent order. It's something that's drafted by your solicitor and it accompanies the D81. The D81 you don't need a solicitor for. You can both fill that out yourself. But the consent order you do. And then we yeah, would okay. put into that order what you and your ex want want putting in, really. We will then determine if that's going to be made by the court by looking at whether it's fair or reasonable. Okay, so, okay. Um, for both parties, I guess. For both parties, okay. yeah. Yeah. 
Right. All right. Okay, that's Brilliant. that's cleared up. Thanks, okay. Tracy, for your time. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Uh, Nikki, I'll take you off mute. What's your question? Hi there. Um, thanks for taking my question, Tracy. That's all right. Um, I, my husband and I have decided to divorce. He is a very controlled and manipulative. And so I have agreed that we have the property we live in, which is paid for, that we just sell that and we we split the profit. He, however, has a, I think it's coming up to £400,000 tax bill going back 20 years. Wow. And he is saying he is going to take the pro- the tax bill out of the profit of the house and then split the house, the, the, split, then split the profit of the house. Um, he's very, very, very clever. And I'm not sure if he can do that. Um, I'm not sure if he can do that. I've agreed to sign the other two houses over to him just for a clean break, but not until this house is sold. Yeah. Um, um, so, so Nikki, what, what I'm going to suggest is that if by taking £400,000 out, and A, you don't have to agree to that, by the way, um, okay. because it, it, that is his tax liability and it's not yours... And of course, no, any equity, any any equity in the property is a matrimonial asset. It's not his asset. Okay, yeah. so two very distinct differences there. Um, yeah. But if if by taking out the four hundred thousand means that you are no longer able to have your housing needs met, there's every chance yeah. that will not be made by. There's every chance, Nikki, if I'm being honest, that that order will not be made by the court in any event. What you okay. need to do, you really, before you go signing anything over, is take some yeah. legal advice, okay? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah okay. You've got um, to do that. Yeah. But but I shouldn't worry. I can I can hear in your voice that you're quite, and, and why would you not be worried? It's £400,000. That's an obscene amount of tax for anybody to owe. Um, yeah. So, but but I, what I would say is it's his liability. It's not a matrimonial okay. liability, Okay. Okay, can I just ask? So yeah. I, I, I have, I have signed um, with the solicitor. I need to pay up some upfront fees yeah. now. Yeah. He, he, he uh, I can only describe him as Ted Bundy. He's, he's not having a solicitor. He, he, he can. Yeah, he's not having a solicitor. He's going to play a game with my solicitor. Yeah. Um, and probably rack up my my bill. Yeah. He has, he has millions, but millions hidden. I'm hidden in Dubai, and um, I. I gave up my career when I met him and brought up his youngest daughter. Yeah. Um. So I don't have any savings, okay. any money at all. Yeah. I, I started a business three years ago. Yeah. Which is 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 growing, but I only get a thousand pound wages out of that at the moment. Yeah. He's saying. Oh, I've lost you, Nick. Oh, you're back again. Go on. Oh, yeah. hi. So yeah. He said, if I don't comply, he is going to ruin my business and then ruin my life right um which 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 he's he's capable of ruining my life i know he's capable of doing that yeah we are still we're still living in the house together at the moment yeah but he's hopefully going back to dubai next week and then i can i i, I don't want to go to the solicitor till he's out of the country until Fair i know i'm safer okay um the the thing that i want you to ask your solicitor to do nikki is take some advice about a legal services order all right so a legal services order is where if the other side are not in agreement to giving you some money for your legal services you can apply to the court for an order 
And it's very successful when the other side have a lot of capital, a lot of wealth. Because, you know, as is your instance, they're sort of thinking, well, you've got nothing, i.e., you know, liquid capital to be able to get some legal advice. So I'll take you down that way. Whereas we can ask the court for a legal services order whereby he has to give you some money. Um, okay. there's, there's also things like litigation loans. Speak to your solicitor about that. Sometimes you can get a loan for litigation through the law firm um, that, that, that you take on. They don't all offer it, but some do. Um, okay. And that way we can then argue at the end that it's taken out of the matrimonial asset pool, perhaps even his asset pool. Um, so that's something else to think about. The other thing as oh, well, the third okay. thing, Nikki, is to let your solicitor know, and I'm sure you will, um, what you've just told me. Because when when I'm told something like that, I'm very live to the fact that the other side are simply emailing me all the time thinking yeah. that they're going to rack up the client's bill. And they won't okay. because I'm not going to be okay. charging for every single email. But make sure that you let your client know. And, and, and be very clear with him that, look, I only I can only afford to pay for work that's actually done to move my case forward. He's going to bombard you with emails. Please don't allow my ex to rack up my legal bill. OK, thank you. Thanks so All much. Right. That's really good to know because I've been frightened of going ahead with the solicitor because I'm frightened of the fee. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Be, be you know as as a solicitor we have to be very transparent about our fees and we have to give you yeah. cost estimate all the time up front yeah. as to what we think it's gonna you know even a range we can't be exact yeah. but we can give a range yeah. so make yeah. sure you get that range from from him nikki and then okay. whenever you come you know always read the small print and whenever you get to the end of that section for that cost quote ask for another cost quote okay be very okay. um ask them how soon they're gonna want the bills paying um you know how much money's up up front how quickly that money's gonna go you're you're entitled to ask all of these questions of your solicitor all right okay thank you so much thank no you. problem all right good luck bye thank, thank you bye-bye Guys, we are at the end of a, another hour with the Legal Queen. So thank you for joining me. I was really busy this evening. We got up to these 60 people in our Discord lounge. We were over 500 people on our TikTok live. We got over 200 on our Facebook live. So I really hope you enjoyed that. I know I certainly did. We had a great mixture tonight. Lots of moms, lots of dads, lots of wives, lots of husbands, lots of finance and children questions. And I love it when it's a big mixed bag like that. So I really do appreciate you guys for joining me in the Discord to ask me those questions. Um, as you know, or for those of you that don't, we record all of these sessions and they go out on my podcasts which goes out Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays each week. So be sure to tune in and listen to them. So until tomorrow, when I'm back again at six o'clock with hopefully more suggestions around your family law queries, um, take care and I will speak to you then. Bye, guys. <laughs>